Biplanar distal chevron osteotomy. Definition. Hallux valgus is a common condition that can affect both adults and adolescents. Patients complain of pain and restriction with activities of daily living because of the lateral deviation of the great toe, the medial deviation of the first metatarsal, and the onset of inflammation at the progressively worsening medial eminence of the first metatarsal head. The gender proportion of the hallux valgus deformity is 15 women for every one man. Anatomy. The first metatarsophalangeal joint's complex anatomy is directly related to its complex physiology. The concave articular surface of the great toe's proximal phalanx articulates with the convex first metatarsal head. Its physiologic relationship is maintained by the surrounding articular capsule and collateral ligaments. At the plantar aspect of the first MTP joint, the sesamoid complex acts as a rail on which the first metatarsal head glides congruently with the intrinsic and extrinsic tendons, providing power and stability to the joint. Pathogenesis Congruent first MTP joint, or physiologic distal metatarsal articular angle. The literature suggests that lateral deviation of the great toe is the primary event leading to hallux valgus deformity. This primary deforming force has a reciprocal relationship with metatarsus primus varus. The first and second intermetatarsal angle worsens with an increase in the hallux valgus angle, and vice versa. The valgus of the proximal phalanx produces forces whose vectors determine the lateral deviation of the head of the first metatarsal. Congruent first MTP joint, or increased DMAA. With an increased DMAA, hallux valgus is present despite congruency of the first MTP joint. The articular surface of the first metatarsal head is in a valgus position relative to the first metatarsal shaft axis. Therefore, hallux valgus is present even without an imbalance of the muscle forces on the first MTP joint. However, this imbalance leads to a worsening of the deformity. Hallux valgus with an increased DMAA is less common than the incongruent type and typically occurs in men and younger patients. Recent studies showed that MTP joint is predominantly congruent in males with the hallux valgus deformity. Natural history. Shoe wear may contribute to the development of hallux valgus deformity. A narrow and triangular toe box combined with high heels may force lateral deviation of the great toe, leading to a mechanical disadvantage of the abductor hallucis muscle. In males, the deformity has a clear inheritance pattern and seems to be transmitted by the mother. Shoe wear does not play a significant role in the genesis of hallux valgus in men. Persistence of these deforming forces may create a relative lateral displacement of the extensor hallucis longus and flexor hallucis longus tendons, which in turn may increase valgus deviation of the great toe. Eventually, the first MTP joint's medial capsule and collateral ligament become attenuated, whereas its lateral soft tissues become contracted. The lateral deviated hallux proximal phalanx exerts a varus-producing force 
to the first metatarsal head, thereby worsening the metatarsus primus ferris deformity. Because the sesamoid complex is attached to the proximal phalanx, the sesamoid position typically remains anatomic as the first metatarsal head subluxes medially. Progression of this displacement often produces the functional deficits and pronation of the great toe. Because the first MTP joint is stable and congruent, but malaligned with respect to the first metatarsal axis, or an increased DMAA, juvenile and adolescent hallux valgus deformity should prompt evaluation for potential associated pathology such as metatarsus adductus, hypermobility, or ligamentous laxity. Patient history and physical findings. Patients typically complain of pain over the first metatarsal head's medial eminence, especially while standing and walking in a narrow toe box shoe. Occasionally, patients develop a symptomatic bursitis over the medial eminence. In males with the deformity, there is an early onset of symptoms. Pain plantar to the first metatarsal head suggests a symptomatic and incongruent articulation of the sesamoids with the first metatarsal head. Compensation for this discomfort may lead to transfer metatarsalgia. An imbalance of the forefoot pressures created by the malalignment of the first ray secondary to hallux valgus may also lead to transfer metatarsalgia. We routinely review the patient's general health, activity level, and family history of hallux valgus. We always check for comorbidities that may have a direct impact on the success of corrective bunion surgery, particularly diabetes, arthritis, and neurovascular disease. To fully appreciate the degree of hallux valgus deformity, the involved foot must be examined with the patient standing. We evaluate the range of motion and alignment of the ankle, hindfoot, midfoot, and forefoot with the patient standing and walking. Pronation of the hallux is also best assessed with the patient standing. The lesser toes are carefully examined for deformities, which can be rigid or supple, requiring different types of treatment. Pronation of the great toe must be assessed as well, as the presence of callosities under the toes and forefoot may be associated with metatarsalgia. Passive correction of hallux valgus is attempted. With the patient standing, pressure is applied over the lateral face of the great toe, trying to correct its valgus deviation. Patients with passive correctable lateral deviation of the great toe will need less invasive or hazardous procedures for the treatment of their hallux valgus deformity, particularly the adductor hallucis release. Hypermobility of the first ray can have an influence on the onset of hallux valgus deformity as well as on its treatment. It is easy to differentiate the flexible and rigid forms of hammer or claw toes by applying thumb pressure in the forefoot sole and elevating the metatarsal heads. In the flexible forms, the deformity reduces or disappears completely. In the rigid form, the maneuver does not change the hammer or claw toes. A positive MTP joint drawer sign indicates the presence of a capsulitis and instability of the joint due to the lesion of the plantar capsule or collateral ligaments, more commonly the lateral portion of the plantar plate. Imaging and other diagnostic studies. Hallux valgus must be assessed with a minimum of AP and lateral weight-bearing radiographs of the foot. 
The HVA is determined by the intersection of the diaphyseal axis of the first metatarsal and the proximal phalanx. Arbitrarily, a normal HVA does not exceed 15 degrees. The IMA is the angle between the diaphyseal axis of the first and second metatarsals. Arbitrarily, a normal IMA does not exceed 9 degrees. The sesamoid position is determined by its relationship with the first metatarsal diaphyseal axis. Typically, the sesamoids remain in their anatomic position. With progressive hallux valgus deformity, the first metatarsal head progressively subluxate medially in relation to the sesamoids. Normal or grade zero sesamoid position. The tibial and fibular sesamoids are equidistant from the bisecting line of the first metatarsal. Sesamoid positions grade one to three. Grade one through three signify an increasingly greater lateral position of the tibial sesamoid relative to the bisecting line of the tibial shaft axis, with grade three indicating that the tibial sesamoid is positioned completely lateral to the reference line. The interphalangeal angle, also known as IPA, is measured between the axis of both the proximal and distal phalanx of the great toe. Arbitrarily, its normal value is up to 10 degrees. The DMAA is obtained by the intersection of the line that connects the articular edges of the head and the line bisecting the first metatarsal shaft. The DMAA normal value is up to 8 degrees. Inter- and intraoperative reliability for measuring the DMAA is poor. The proximal phalanx articular angle is measured between the tangent to the proximal articular surface of the proximal phalanx of the great toe and the line bisecting the diaphyseal axis of the same phalanx. It is considered normal up to 10 degrees. Relative length of the first and second rays is measured pre- and post-operatively. Most osteotomies lead to shortening of the first metatarsal. In our experience, greater than 5 millimeters of first metatarsal shortening of the first metatarsal frequently results in transfer metatarsalgia. The HVA, DMAA, and IMA are significantly higher in males, indicating that hallux valgus presents as a more severe deformity among males. Differential Diagnosis Hallux valgus interphalangeus, hallux rigidus, and sesamoiditis. Non-operative management. Patient education. Although there is no concrete evidence that shoe wear causes hallux valgus, we believe that wearing shoes with tight toe boxes and high heels contributes to the worsening of deformity. Patients with intrinsic factors contributing to hallux valgus, such as an increased DMAA, should be educated that they are particularly prone to external forces worsening their hallux valgus deformity. Orthotic devices and insoles may relieve symptoms but generally do not correct deformity. Patients already in need of wider toe boxes may need to find shoes with extra depth to accommodate both their foot deformity and the orthotic device. In juvenile hallux valgus, the use of a custom-made night splint could limit the progression but cannot reverse the deformity. In skeletally mature patients, intermittent use of a corrective splint does not adequately counterbalance many hours of shoe wear with a narrow toe box and a high heel. Surgical management. The primary indication for the biplanar distal chevron osteotomy is moderate hallux valgus deformity with a 1 to 2 IMA of 14 degrees or less associated with a DMAA greater than 8 degrees. 
Reports of the traditional distal chevron technique over the past two decades suggest that comparable outcomes are achieved for younger and older patients. Contraindications to any distal first metatarsal osteotomy for hallux valgus corrections include asymptomatic deformity, a 1 to 2 IMA exceeding 15 degrees, first MTP joint stiffness or degenerative arthritis, and osteoporosis or osteopenia. The biplanar distal chevron osteotomy can be used as a complementary procedure in the surgical treatment of severe hallux valgus deformities in which the DMAA is abnormal. The combination of two or even three osteotomies in the same ray can be considered safe if the blood supply to the metatarsal head is unharmed. Preoperative planning. Satisfactory neurovascular status. Is the hallux valgus passively correctable? The surgeon should assess associated lesser toe deformities, including fixed versus flexible deformity, impingement or overlap on the first toe, and presence of plantar calluses. Using radiographic measurements from preoperative weight-bearing radiographs of the foot, we always have a preoperative estimation of the required lateral translation of the first metatarsal head and wedge resection to correct the increased DMAA. Positioning. The patient is positioned supine with the plantar aspect of the operated foot in line with the end of the operating table. We stand on the side of the table immediately adjacent to the operated foot. Our assistant stands at the end of the table. We routinely use a tourniquet. Approach. A 5 cm longitudinal mid-axial medial incision is made, centered over the medial eminence. Careful subcutaneous dissection is performed to protect the dorsal and plantar medial sensory nerves to the hallux. Although the distal metatarsal metatophysis must be exposed, periosteal stripping is kept to a minimum, and the lateral vascular supply to the first metatarsal head remains protected. In our experience with the proper indications outlined earlier, we rarely need to perform a risky lateral dissection of the adductor hallucis tendon at the joint line. A routine portion of the exposure, lateral dislocation of the metatarsal head, serves as a physiologic release of the adductor hallucis by bringing its phalangeal insertion closer to its origin. Once again, a routine portion of the exposure, lateral dislocation of the metatarsal head, serves as a physiologic release of the adductor hallucis by bringing its phalangeal insertion closer to its origin. Techniques. Capsulotomy. The author uses a Y-shaped incision over the medial face of the MTP joint capsule, creating three distinct flaps that they reproximate at the completion of the procedure to achieve optimal tensioning. A shortening V-capsular flap attached to the base of the hallux proximal phalanx may be used as an anchor to correct the deformity. They always preserve the relatively thin dorsal capsular flap continuous with the lateral capsule to maintain the blood supply to the first metatarsal head. The stout plantar capsular flap attached to the sesamoids serves to reestablish the optimal first metatarsal head sesamoid position when tensioned after completion of the osteotomy. Medial and dorsal metatarsal head exposure. After capsulotomy, the first metatarsal head's medial eminence and sagittal groove are exposed. Starting at the medial aspect of the sagittal groove, the author resects the medial eminence with a small oscillating saw from dorsal to plantar in line with the medial edge of the foot. They then make sure to preserve the integrity of the metatarsal head and medial cortex of the metatarsal shaft. 
Occasionally, a dorsal bunion is present in the absence of degenerative change. They routinely resect this dorsal eminence in line with the dorsal cortex of the first metatarsal shaft to eliminate any chance for impingement and potential improve cosmesis. Osteotomy. As a point of reference, they make the geometric center of the first metatarsal head with a sharp instrument on the prepared medial surface. From this point, they draw the segments or arms of the planned osteotomy. The author cuts the plantar arm of the osteotomy parallel to the inferior surface of the foot, thereby creating a broad and stable surface area to promote healing between the two osteotomy fragments. If some degree of plantar displacement of the metatarsal head is desirable, one can make the plantar arm cut with the saw oriented in a dorsomedial to plantar lateral direction. The incline of the cut will determine the amount of plantar displacement of the metatarsal head. According to the preoperative radiographic DMAA estimate, they plan a medial based wedge resection as part of the dorsal limb osteotomy to rotate the capital fragment into a more physiologic relationship with the first metatarsal shaft. Three methods exist to determine the correct size for the medial wedge to be removed. The first is a trigonometric formula. Wedge width equals the tangent, the DMAA, times first metatarsal head width in millimeters. Second, drawing the wedge corresponding to the measured DMAA over the AP radiograph image of the first metatarsal. Three, by direct vision during the operation, make the distal cut parallel to the distal metatarsal articular surface and the proximal cut perpendicular to the long axis of the first metatarsal. The saw blade must not violate the inferior portion of the metatarsal head fragment. Translation and screw fixation. In the author's experience, each millimeter of lateral metatarsal head translation corresponds to one degree of one to two IMA correction. Using average physiologic dimensions, the metatarsal head may be translated laterally up to six millimeters to create a nine degree one to two IMA without forfeiting osteotomy stability. After dorsal wedge resection and simultaneous lateral translation, rotate the metatarsal head to create a physiologic DMAA and achieve optimal bony apposition at the dorsal aspect of the osteotomy. Gentle longitudinal traction on the hallux and contaminant pressure with the thumb over the medial capital fragment facilitates lateral displacement. By driving the great toe as a joystick, the capital fragment is rotated under direct vision to correct the DMAA. Once the proper positioning of the fragment is obtained, apply gentle pressure on the great toe to co-op the osteotomy site. In the author's experience, it is not necessary to check the position of the fragments and the amount of correction with fluoroscopy, but for those who think that it is advisable, this is the right moment to do that. You can use a 1.2 millimeter Kirschner wire to maintain the fragments temporarily during the fluoroscopic checking. The author routinely secures the osteotomy with a single screw, either a solid screw placed in lag fashion or a headless cannulated or non-cannulated dual pitch compression screw while maintaining manual reduction of the osteotomy. Screw position, five millimeters proximal to the dorsal arm of the biplanar chevron osteotomy on the first metatarsal shaft. Screw trajectory. They aim the screw 10 degrees distally and 15 degrees laterally to target the optimal portion 
of the lateral translated distal fragment. Compress the fragments and limit the risk of penetrating the plantar articular surface using a 2.7 millimeter solid screw. Initial 2.0 millimeter drill hole followed by overdrill of the near cortex with a 2.7 millimeter drill to create a lag effect. Because of the screw trajectory and relatively thin overlying capsule and skin, consider using a countersink. Insertion of the 2.7 millimeter screw to carefully compress the osteotomy and maintain reduction. Using a headless cannulated or non-cannulated dual pitch screw. Guide pin, if cannulated. Dual diameter drill corresponding to the particular screw system. Insertion of the screw after proper screw length has been determined with compression of the fragments and stability created at the osteotomy and carefully resect the residual medial prominence of the proximal fragment with an oscillating saw, directing the saw blade from dorsal to plantar while avoiding any violation of the first metatarsal diaphysis. The author routinely irrigates the first MTP joint with saline solution. Capsulography. The author judiciously resects redundant medial capsule holding the proximal phalanx in optimal alignment relative to the long axis of the first metatarsal in both the sagittal and transverse planes facilitates determining the overlap of residual medial capsule. In anticipation of some tendency towards recurrent deformity, the author typically holds the calyx in a slight varus and plantar flex position. In the author's experience, this optimal position is best maintained by the assistant holding the first metatarsal the MTP joint, and hallux between the thumb and the second finger of the assistant's hand so that the hallux rests in the space between the assistant's first and second metacarpals. With assistant maintaining the optimal position, the author resects the redundant capsular flaps. Next, they check the relationship of the medial sesamoid and first metatarsal head, applying greater tension to the plantar flap to reduce the head on the sesamoids if necessary. They place a 2-0 non-absorbable buried suture central corners of both the dorsal and plantar capsular fragments and systematically close the capsulotomy from distal to proximal. Oppose the residual V-shaped flap attached to the medial aspect of the proximal phalanx to the previously sutured dorsal plantar flaps. In the author's experience, removing greater capsular redundancy from the dorsal portion of the phalangeal flap facilitates correction of hallux pronation. They use a single suture, which is placed at the center of the Y where the capsular flaps meet. Once the medial capsulography is completed, the assistant releases the toe. Ideally, the hallux should maintain its corrected alignment without external support. Occasionally, they augment the capsulography with complementary tensioning sutures to obtain the desired position. Again, the hallux must be held in the corrected position or even slight varus as noted earlier. Close the subcutaneous tissue with interrupted absorbable sutures. They favor using absorbable subcuticular sutures and interrupted fine nylon suture in young patients because of the more favorable skin and older patients, less favorable skin respectively. They routinely use a bunion dressing or H dressing in the first web space to relieve tension on the medial capsulography. They wrap the forefoot with a sterile cotton bandage followed by an adhesive bandage that maintains slight compression on the first metatarsal. Pearls and pitfalls. 
indications. They favor a proximal first metatarsal osteotomy with a 1 to 2 IMA greater than 15 degrees. In their experience, the power of 1 to 2 IMA correction is limited by the width of the metatarsal head. In general, a 1 millimeter of lateral translation equals 1 degree of 1 to 2 IMA correction. Once again, in general, a 1 millimeter of lateral translation equals 1 degree of 1 to 2 IMA correction. A biplanar osteotomy is not required unless the DMAA exceeds 8 degrees. In regards to the approach, they routinely perform the skin incision 2 millimeters dorsal to the medial mid-axial line to identify and protect the dorsomedial sensory nerve to the hallux. In regards to capsular flaps, develop the capsular flaps carefully to allow optimal soft tissue balancing during capsulography. Medial eminence resection. Perform the medial eminence resection in line with the medial foot, not the medial aspect of the first metatarsal. Less resection is better because it limits potential for varus. Osteotomy. The plantar arm should be parallel to the plantar plane of the foot. The apex of the wedge to be resected dorsally should coincide with the lateral cortex of the head to avoid shortening of the metatarsal. Screw fixation. Direct the drill and screw laterally to capture the plantar tongue of the distal fragment. Avoid placing a screw that penetrates the plantar cortex in the metatarsal head, sesamoid complex. Remember to countersink the dorsal metatophyseal cortex when using a 2.7 millimeter screw. Capsulography. Be sure that your assistant maintains the great toe at the right position during capsulography. Dressing. Should maintain the great toe in the optimal position for three weeks. Anticipated dried blood may harden the bandage and create pressure-related symptoms postoperatively. This occurs often enough that we routinely change the patient's bandage on postoperative day three or four. We allow the patients to bear weight on a Baruch postoperative shoe after the first dressing change. This orthosis concentrates the patient's weight on the rear of the foot while protecting the forefoot. The patients do not routinely require crutches or assistive devices, but the occasional elderly patient with comorbidities may benefit from temporary use of a walker. They routinely change the bandage for the bunion patients at 10-day intervals to confirm that proper great toe alignment is maintained. To confirm that the alignment and reduction are maintained, they obtain a radiograph of the operated foot at three weeks after surgery. In their experience at one month postoperatively, patients may transfer to a pair of soft and wide lace-up shoes and initiate hallux range of motion exercises. In their practice, it takes an average of three to four months for patients to reach the maximum range of motion and return to regular shoe wear and full activity. Outcomes. Patient satisfaction rates after distal biplanar chevron osteotomy for moderate hallux valgus deformity approaches 90% depending on appropriate patient expectations and selection. In their experience, the procedure reliably and reproducibly corrects the 1-2 IMA, HAV, and increased DMAA, and can be useful as a complementary procedure in severe cases. Complications. Complications are similar to other distal first metatarsal osteotomies for correction of hallux valgus. Recurrence or undercorrection, inappropriate preoperative planning, stretching, the indications, usually due to inadequate lateral translation, inadequate rotation of the first metatarsal head, or inadequate soft tissue balancing during the capsulography. Lack of proper postoperative bunion dressing.
a vascular necrosis of the head of the first metatarsal may be caused by overzealous lateral soft tissue stripping over penetration of the saw blade into the lateral capsule, although radiographic first metatarsal head changes are frequently observed after distal metatarsal osteotomies, they rarely progress to symptomatic necrosis and collapse of the metatarsal head. Another complication is first MTP joint stiffness. In the author's experience, joint stiffness responds to physical therapy in advancing the weight-bearing status. They maintain that slight overcorrection in some MTP joint stiffness is preferable to undercorrection in full MTP joint motion. Last but not least complication is hallux varus, caused by over-resection of the medial capsule and unnecessary over-release of the lateral capsule in adductor hallucis tendon.